the volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, three and out podcast. I'm not looking for an applause or anything, but if it wasn't for the show, I probably would either be in bed or doing something else than watching that game. But it's the National Football League. And you know what? Toward the end, I I was entertained. Early on, I was like, "Eh, there's a little bit of a stretch. But Daniel Jones versus Taylor Heineke. I guess we're all kind of junkies deep down inside. So, uh, you know, the, the, the last five or six minutes were pretty entertaining. A uh, lot going on this week. USC fired their coach. Urban Meyer refused to answer. Uh, he claimed, well, I guess he claimed no chance, but I have some thoughts with that. Some desperate teams in the league. Some thoughts on some teams. Uh, one thing that's kind of struck me about Tua and Brian Flores is maybe it's not all on Tua. And you know, I'm not the biggest Tua guy, but we'll dive into that. Uh, some injuries. There have been more injuries this year. I, I Listen, I'm not, I don't have a study in front of me. Every game I've watched, every single game, the card has come out. We, we have played, there were 16 games week one, and now we've played the one Thursday night game. A card came out tonight. You know, the 17 total games, I swear to God, I've seen the card multiple times in many games. The, the injuries are kind of outrageous, and I have a theory why. And then, of course, the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff, is the Instagram. Slide up in the Instagram and get your question answered here on the show. And for those of you that, I know we have a lot of new listeners. I've gotten, been getting a bunch of DMs like, hey, new to the show. I think you guys have probably seen through the volume. Exclusively on the 3 and Out podcast feed, we're doing Mondays now as well. For the, especially for those of you that listen for a while, Tuesdays, Thursdays, but Monday exclusively on the three and out feed. So be all over that. And uh, if you could leave a review, Apple iTunes, greatly appreciate that. Tonight, <laughs> uh, I, my time in the NFL was spent in this division. I have a soft spot for this division. Uh, I still follow it really closely, even though it's pretty terrible. Uh, maybe it's, I'm also kind of a big market whore. I love the big markets and that's, you know, it's this division gets put in Monday night and Sunday night and these primetime games for a reason. They have massive markets and I've been to games at all four of the stadiums. It's freaking cool. Even though FedEx where they play tonight, a little older than the other stadiums. Uh, but I, I enjoy the history with all these franchises, uh, it, the passion with all the fan bases, the hatred and the rivalries with all four franchises. But I, I, I'm pretty sure we watched the two worst teams in the NFC East. Uh, and I'm actually pretty confident on that, actually. I think the Washington football team, WFT, sometimes when I see WFT, I off, you know, just texting, you automatically think WTF, but it, WFT, it throws you off. Even though I do believe they should just stick with the football team. And tonight they had the numbers on the, on the, uh, on the helmets. Just go with the W. The W is a good look. But they're screwed. Like Taylor Heineke, as my buddy uh, Hunter Mahan texted me tonight, called him a sloppy Tony Romo. I actually was like, Hunter, that's a good comp. Uh, he's like a poor broke man's Tony Romo. But he is talented. He can move around. Uh, he's got a little Gardner Minshew to him. But a team that wants to make the playoffs, you got no chance. It's one thing throwing him out in the playoff game against Tampa and just let him do whatever. It's one thing tonight against the Giants on a short week, let him do whatever. It's another thing to play 15 straight games. They have no chance to win a lot with that guy. And they do have talent. 
As you see, Terry McLaurin, an Urban Meyer guy, is elite. He's fantastic. Chase Young, baller. Washington's defense, a little overrated, but they're a solid team. Quarterback away. The Giants, got a lot going for them, right? Got some good wide receivers, got some good defensive players. Offensive line, pretty terrible. Daniel Jones, you know, it's weird. I, I would imagine if you just ask the average NFL fan, what do you think of Daniel Jones? I, I think they would be closer to a bust than, say, a good player. One thing, if you watch the game tonight, he's a very talented player. Athletically, sometimes you wonder, like, could he play a different position? His arm is strong enough. His accuracy can be very hit or miss, but he's played well, and he's played really well against this team. But you can win with them if everything's perfect. The problem is everything is not perfect. They don't have the perfect team. They have an awful offensive line. They're just not very good, just like this division, and mainly those two teams. I think tonight we watched the the two worst teams in that division. Philly, to me, is dramatically more talented. They're better on offense. Their offensive and defensive lines, especially their offensive line, is really good. It's hard to be good in the NFL in 2021 if you can't protect. Because it's a throwing league. This isn't like 1993. We don't get to just run all game long. We have to pass and consistently pass. Not just three-step drops, five-step drops, seven-step drops. We put our passer in harm's way more consistently than we ever have in the history of the sport. So when you can't block up front, you have problems. And I know the Giants in the second half actually blocked decently, but no one trusts them. And then you look at Washington, you go, I just don't trust this quarterback. One takeaway I have watching this game, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in the mix for both these two teams in the offseason. And I think if you're the 49ers, you're already kind of looking around, licking your lips a little bit. You hope Jimmy can play well. You have a season where you make the playoffs and he starts the majority of the games. You don't think Jimmy Garoppolo, you put Jimmy Garoppolo on Washington, they're like a 10-win team. Jimmy Garoppolo, you think Joe Judge, if Daniel Jones is a roller coaster, which he has been his whole career, up, down, some good plays, some bad plays, three turnovers, then a couple touchdowns, then a couple fumbles. Joe Judge, the Belichick guys, they are not going to mess with that. Well, Joe Judge was there when Jimmy Garoppolo was there. I actually think he makes a lot of sense for both uh, franchises because both franchises are tough. They're gritty. They're good on defense. They're physical teams. If they just had, they, they do not, obviously they would take a top 10 quarterback, but those guys aren't available. And neither one of these guys are going to lose enough games. I know the Giants are 0-2, but they're going to win 5-6. They're going to end up drafting like 9th to 13th range, right? In Washington, when the dust settles, maybe they win 7-8 games and they're drafting the mid-teens. And I've watched enough college football to know Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, Josh Allen, Sam Darnolds, those type players. Hell, there's not even a Jared Goff. I mean, I've been watching, I've watched basically every college football game the last two Saturdays, and I have not seen an elite uh, NFL prospect. Not even close. I haven't seen one guy that I went, yeah, that guy might go in the top five. Now, sometimes, as we know, that changes, especially once the season ends, but usually that's a mistake when that happens. There's not a guy that pops right now. So it might not even be a good quarterback draft. And one of the points in last draft was like, there aren't many quarterbacks in this class. So we already knew that. So Jimmy Garoppolo immediately shoots up the charts. Again, I've been, you know, kind of all over the map on Jimmy. Good, the bad. He was pretty bad last year for his limited starts. But if he can build off what he did in week one, stay healthy, be a good teammate, and just help the 49ers win games. Obviously, they have a big one this weekend against Philly. 
I actually think he's going to have some value because there you can already see there are several teams, a team he has connection to in Joe Judge, who is I just can't see riding long with Daniel Jones. And then Washington, who's already in quarterback desperation. I mean, they, they had to sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's like 40 years old with like eight kids, who's been on 15 different teams. And I didn't want him to get hurt because I do enjoy watching him, but he's gone. And who knows when he's come back? He might not. And by the time he does come back, it might be too late. And sometimes with an older guy, it's not like he's been on the team for five years. You know, he, he doesn't have any cohesion or equity built up with the guys. Who knows when he comes back? It'll even work. So they might be so far out of the playoff race, it won't even matter. Now, you could argue in this division, being out of the playoff race, you never really are. But I do think the Cowboys and the Eagles, regardless what happens this weekend for them, I just watch them. They're more talented. They can score away more points. And the reality is in 2021, your offense has to be potent. And I, I definitely don't love the Cowboys defense. The Eagles defense and the back seven is a little question mark, but their front four is awesome. I, I think one of those two teams ends up probably in the nine best case 10 range. I don't see what I witnessed tonight. Neither one of those two teams is winning nine games. So Listen, you can be a competitive team with a good defense and you can have good running backs and a cool wide receiver. But if your quarterback's a question mark, like, does any of it really matter? And the answer, of course, is no, of course not. Okay, before we dive into some National Football League topics, I wanted to get what, what I think, and I might be biased, the biggest story of the week. And that is the University of Southern California, the Trojans fight on fired their head coach, Clay Helton, after two games. <laughs> Struggled against San Jose State, got blown out by David Shaw, and a team that just got their butts kicked, boom, fired. It happened that quickly. And it immediately, it's an open job. It's a job in Southern California, a team that over you know a decade ago was basically uh, like, a, you know, I wouldn't quite say they're what Saban and Alabama were under Pete Carroll, but they were a powerhouse, right? Ohio State, Clemson, like they were winning multiple national championships, producing a ton of NFL players, landing the top guys from all over the country, doing the reverse of what Alabama and Clemson were doing. They were going into the South. They were going into the Northeast. They were going into the Midwest, and they were getting the best players to California, and they were keeping all the best players on the West Coast. Basically the opposite of what, it, what is happening now. And I have several takes on this. On the most basic level, anytime a job like this comes open, a lot of people are going to be interested. Right, More people are going to be interested in the job than the job will be interested in those candidates. Here's what I do know, though, in college football, and I think this rings true for most companies as well. Right, You are only as strong as your head guy. Just look around the landscape right now in business. Is Tesla Tesla without Elon Musk? Zero chance. Does Barstool ever become what it's become and becoming without Dave Portnoy? No, not even close. Right. And look, historically, Apple was in shambles in the late 90s. They hire Steve Jobs back, who kind of created it. Boom. The rest is history. Right. Like you are very dependent at the guy at the top. Alabama. I saw what Alabama was before Nick Saban. Wasn't that great. I saw what they are once they got him. Obviously, in college football, I think is a little bit like, you know, companies, big companies with that fearless leader. Like that guy's very, very important. He is the CEO, basically, of the entire university, right? It feels like Nick Saban is much bigger than anyone on the campus. Same with Dabo. Same when Urban was at Ohio State. So we know that. It, the program is not made by no matter who coaches there. The program is made by who the head coaches. I've seen it with my own eyes. 
Like, I, I worked for Pat Hill at Fresno State. He was very, very important to the brand at Fresno State and what it's kind of become now. Just like Andy Reid. I mean, I saw how important he is. It's a little different in the pros uh, with coordinators and picking players and stuff. But in college football, obviously the pros, it's very, very important who your coach is. But there are some other factors. Owner. In college football, the owner, the GM, the head coach, the the assistant GM is the, is the head guy. Is, is your head coach. So USC, I, listen, if you got kids in the car right now, if that's the way you're listening, tell them to put their earmuffs on. Axelrod said this in the show Billions, and it stuck with me, and it's so true. And he stole this from Steve Cohen, who's now running the Mets. What is the point of having fuck you money if you never say fuck you? I think about this all the time. Like, everyone wants to accumulate all this money. Like, that's the goal. And listen, I'm just as guilty, like, doing deals and making more cash and making more revenue. But at, like, what point, like, what are you doing with it? So many people just, like, hoard the money, put it away. And listen, I'm not all for blowing it on just stupid material things. But there is a balance. You do know that Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, they do not follow you in the hearst as you're headed to be laid six feet under. They, they do not. And then if you're like, oh, I'm going to give it to my kids. You do know the government's coming back after that bad boy if you have enough of it, right? They'll triple tax that thing. So it's like you do have to find a balance of using the resources. And for most of us, it's the money we make. For most things, resources are capital, right? The ability, purchasing power uh, for a university in the college athletic field. What coach that you can basically essentially buy, you have to use that to your advantage. Never forget when Alabama went to Miami to get Nick Saban. Like, does Alabama have as many rich people that support the program as like Manhattan or Silicon Valley or fucking Hollywood? Of course not. But you would be naive. And I know this because I've known people that worked for the program, that lived in that area. They have several people involved in that program that when they went to go get Nick Saban in Alabama, they not only looked at themselves like equals with the NFL owner, they think they're richer. And they think they have every bit the resources and actually they have a better job to offer. So these programs, the people, not every rich guy is famous. I know several people that are worth close to, I don't know them that well personally, but I know of them in the Valley, like from Stockton down to Bakersfield in California that work in the farming community that are richer than most people in LA and San Francisco. But they're not like, they're not on Instagram. They're not trying to get that famous. They're not public figures. But in their own industry, they are titans because they have an unlimited amount of cash. And it's like that in all these college programs. Like some college programs have famous people involved that are their bankroll, right? You know, some of these NFL and NBA owners that are associated with their a certain college program. But a lot of them have guys that you've never heard of. Unless you're close to the program, then you know. You're like, that guy's worth like $900 million. That guy's worth like $3 billion. And so these programs, especially like USC, have an unlimited amount of money if they want to use it and get the right people involved in the football program. So what is the point of having all this money, all this cash, and not using it? So when I see the SEC say, like their motto is, it just means more, people think that just means like the passion in the stands, the the tailgating going on before, which from all accounts, I've never been to an SEC game look remarkable, right? They talk about the Grove at Ole Miss, Georgia-Florida game, Alabama-LSU. Like, it, 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 you just look at it. You're like, yeah, it probably just means more. 
I actually think it just means more the culture of our football program. We will do anything's necessary to win football games. That means buying a head coach. That means paying for his coordinators. That means upgrading the facilities. Money will not be an issue because we're making an unlimited amount of money and we are going to pump it back into our program. And I think on the West Coast, you know, what's weird is last year during uh, the COVID shutdowns for the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they kind of operated on the same wavelength. It was like, you know, the two conferences where academia runs first. And that is true. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 academically view themselves as equals, right? A lot of elite academic institutions. The difference is sports is much more culturally important in that in the Big Ten than it is out West. It is. I live here. I see it firsthand. Like I, I've gone to games and all these programs. I, I know. I know people that work in these programs. It's not even a question. So while they view each other as academic elites, and that's probably true, right? UCLA, Cal, Washington, Michigan, Ohio State. Like these are, you know, Penn State. These are big time academic institutions. But when sports matter more there, it's why they win more. It's why they generate more money. Their fans are more passionate. So it just means more in the Big Ten. The one place where I think it really does mean something out here, Eugene, Oregon has always had this unique kind of small town feel. They've had Phil Knight and they've had really good programs in all sports. But USC really got the taste in in the 2000s with Pete Carroll like they felt like an all-time power. But historically, like when I was a kid in the 90s, UCLA was better than USC. My cousin played at UCLA. They were beating them every year. I remember going to a game with my dad, the Cal. I think it was Tony Gonzalez was on Cal and Keyshawn Johnson was on uh, the Trojans. The Trojans weren't any good. (coughs) We act like they've always been some powerhouse. That's not true. Just like Alabama before Saban, they weren't playing that well. Why? Because whoever your coach is determines your success. So what is the point of having this FU money if you're never going to go spend it? I know he just said no chance, but we all see Urban Meyer's face. We look at his history. He lies a lot. Why would he want to stay? Jacksonville's a joke. His team sucks. You think he wants to go 3-14? and 14? No chance. So yeah, is he going to tell you no when you first try to get him to be the head coach at USC? Of course he will. Why not keep pursuing? Do you know what most successful people do? They don't just let one no get them down in the dumps. I tried. I gave my best effort. For those of you listening in sales, can you imagine if you go back to your boss like, you know, he, you know, I thought I had him on the line, but I was reeling him up and then he just said no and I'm, I'm just going to give up and move on to the next one. That's not how it works in the business world. You got to be aggressive, right? Hungry dogs eat first. Now, just because you get there, he's going to say no. Keep making him say no. I would ask him like 10 fucking times throughout the year. And maybe he eventually cracks. Now, if he doesn't give in and you'd be like, well, what about the buyout? And listen, I don't even know, like they're on different industries. Why would SC have to pay the NFL? Why would they even care? But maybe there are rules. I don't know. Pay it. What, what, what does any money mean to USC? It shouldn't mean a damn thing. And if, if ultimately you can't get them, to me, go get Chris Peterson, the one West Coast coach who took a Pac-12 team to the, to the playoffs. And it's not like he was coaching at some historical power. I know they've won before, but for the last like 25 years, they haven't been that great. And that's the University of Washington. Go get a guy like that. If you go get James Franklin, I'm not saying James Franklin's bad or Matt Campbell. You know, they might give you a nine and three year, maybe a 10 and two year. It's just not going to be good enough because ultimately these fans and the USC program, they view themselves like when we're good, we should be Ohio State. We should be Clemson. We should be Alabama. And we've seen it. It's true. But you have to get the right guy. And to get the right guy in 2021 takes a lot of money and takes a lot of resources. Well, you got it all. So what are your excuses? Like your, your list should be very, very short. You should have two or three guys and we're going all in to land one. You should not get to the sixth or seventh guy. 
If you do, that's on you. That's a poorly run search. That's a poorly run ability to utilize the resources and the money that you should have backing you. And if you don't have the resources and money, let's just call it what it is. USC is an average program, but they're closer to mid-major than they are Bama or Ohio State. Let's just be real. So it's time for them either to kind of put their best foot forward, use everything they got, which is a lot, right? So if Alabama, if LSU, if they have these billion-dollar, $500 million boosters, which they do, USC should have quadruple the amount, which they do. I've known some people that are kind of close to the program. Money is no issue when it matters, when they're going to win. So you go get Urban Meyer. Here's what I know. Is he a little scummy? Does he have the greatest morals? Yeah. I mean, there are some question marks. But if you get him, do you win big? 100%. Is he made for the NFL? Of course not. Would he have to put his tail between his league's legs and just kind of admit that he failed with Jacksonville? Yeah, he was never going to succeed there. Like, we all knew that. My mom could have told you that. The man on the moon could have seen this coming. But it's time to go get a big fish or else just be okay, be at peace with being an average program in college football. Okay, let me tell you about my friends at FanDuel. Football season's here. And if you've never bet on the NFL, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right. You'll get up to $1,000 back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from. There are same-game parlay bets, player props, futures, and so much more. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. Colorado, New Jersey, Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT, Indiana. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. 
Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Pirelli tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, the other night, I, uh, I found myself in a deep YouTube dive late at night. Uh, you know, a Giants game on in the back, but, you know, baseball games are, are, like, uh, are like a midsummer golf tournament. You can just zone out and do other things. And I had seen the trailer for the Sopranos movie, so I just did a deep dive on James Gandolfini. And one thing I found is he didn't do that many interviews when he was alive. And it was a lot of other people talking about who Gandolfini was. And a lot of people from The Sopranos, which I actually, I didn't really watch that much when it was like in its prime. I mean, I didn't even have HBO in the late 90s. And then by the time we probably got it, I don't know. I just, I I didn't watch it live, even though I love mob movies and I watched it over Corona uh, last year, the whole thing. It was incredible. Even though it's a little dated, but he was, you could argue as his role, the greatest character in the history of television at least you know probably in my lifetime maybe if you go the history of shows we we could debate that he was fantastic but a lot of the dudes in the show the other guys that played mobsters were like you know what's weird about james is when he played tony that's not really his personality despite being you know a new jersey guy i think he went to Rutgers. it was he's really more like a hippie and then you just watch some of these like he was big into plays his personality was not like tony soprano But then I watched the one interview that I could find was he did a 60 Minutes once upon a time. And he was saying how 
he didn't think the show was going to be as big as it was. Uh, no one did. He's like, when we did the, uh, the, the first episode, the pilot, I look around, I'm like, this might be a one and done. But he said, once it really took off, he thought the difference was the writing. And he's like, a show, a movie is only as good as the writing. He's like, you know, everyone acts like I made the show, but really I thought the writers were the star of the shows. And here's a simple reality. You cannot have a good television show. You cannot have a good movie without both. You need good actors and you need good writing. Like that much is clear. Like most of the great shows in, you know, in the last couple decades have had both. That's what you need. Just like in football, you need a great coach and a great quarterback. And if you look around the league right now, you have a lot of offensive-minded coaches that, you know, either landed a great quarterback in the draft or in free agency, right? We saw Sean Payton just kick ass with Jameis Winston. Well, we just saw what he did with Drew Brees for 15 years. Andy Reid was always great with quarterbacks, and then he got Patrick Mahomes and it's been on like Donkey Kong. Hell, even John Gruden, who has some flaws as a coach, is pretty good with offense. And Derek Carr has been playing really good football now for a couple of years. Kyle, Sean McVay wanted to get his Matt Stafford. Kyle Shanahan went to get his Trey Lance. We'll see how good he is, but ultimately, like if you're Trey Lance, you got the coach you want. And it's very, very, your success in the NFL, it's a little different in college, I think, because coordinators come and go at the top programs, unless you're Clemson. But in the pros, when when your head coach, and there are a ton of them, are also your offensive play callers, and we're lucky, I just think we have a lot of really good offensive play callers in the NFL right now, you have a chance for a lot of success. And I've seen so much go back and forth with Tua. Is he good? Is he not good? I would lean he's not going to be very good. And when I say, like, he, like relative to 2021, you know, his numbers, I think when all the dust settles, aren't going to be as bad as some of the historic busts or anything. But what you're looking for now, the Mahomeses, the Russell Wilsons, the Justin Herberts, like the, the elite talent, he does not have that. Here's the other thing he doesn't have, though. If we use the, you know, the television show, The Sopranos, the writing and actor analogy, now I'm not saying he was ever going to be James Gandolfini in that show and play Tony. He was never going to be that. Even if he had the best possible, if he had Sean Payton, is he going to be some Hall of Fame player? Probably not. But would that give him a lot better chance for success? 100%. One thing, and it's going to be hard, he's already had multiple coordinators. He had a different coordinator last year, new coordinator now. His head coach, who I think is pretty good, I think we all agree, Brian Flores might be the best Belichick assistant ever. Right? Most of these guys go to these places and they are, they're hated. Matt Patricia was a laughingstock. Eric Mangini, they couldn't kick him out of the building fast enough. Charlie Weiss, like an all-time asshole. Romeo Cornell, nice guy, just not a head coach. And you just see over... Josh McDaniels went to Denver. I mean, they couldn't get him out of the building fast enough. Now, when he gets a second chance, maybe he's changed, maybe he's matured. But I think when you look at Brian Flores, really good coach. He's a defensive guy. Like his bread and butter's on defense. He's not calling the offensive plays. So... How can he really get the most of Tua that's humanly possible? Like Justin Herbert, same thing, right? I, you know, Brandon Staley is a defensive coach, but his talent is so much more immense. And you just, when I watched that game against Washington, I was like, God, this guy is physically just so gifted. Mahomes was just such a raw product. If he didn't get around Andy from the jump, who knows what it ever becomes? Joe Montana was a third round pick. He's known as Joe Cool. Does he turn out to be Joe Cool if Bill Walsh doesn't get his hands on him? You know, I probably not. So it is one of those, it's just one of those, uh, it's, you know, positions and really the nature of the sport where they're just tied at the hip. 
the, the you're predicated on that guy. And we have a lot of coaches in the league that like ultimately John Harbaugh, like does John Harbaugh have anything to do with Lamar Jackson? He doesn't call the plays. He knows nothing to do with offense. Like, you know, Lamar's success is really predicated on Greg Roman. And, you know, Greg Roman may never get a job, so he'll just stay. And I, I just think it's something to watch for when we talk about quarterbacks. Is is their head coach the play caller? Or is their head coach uh, either, you know, a CEO type or a defensive guy? That's what made Belichick so unique. You're like, well, he's a defensive guy, Middlecoff. There is not a play that the Patriots have run for 20 years that Belichick couldn't tell you the play call, the assignment for all 11 guys. Every single one of them. And what they should do against the defense that they saw and what they should have done against the defense that they thought they were going to see. If Belichick wanted to be an offensive coordinator tomorrow, he could do it with his eyes closed. That is not the case for most defensive coaches. They, they not only could not call offense, they don't know the offensive playbook. So, you know, Tua, I'm not giving him a pass, but like maybe he was never going to succeed if he didn't get around a really good offensive head coach. And he clearly doesn't have one because his physical talents, unlike Herbert, are not, you know, I would say big enough and powerful. Like he doesn't have great attributes. Not big, not that fast, not a big time arm. Really his one attribute is throwing deep balls. In theory, because that's what he was in college, a great deep ball thrower. A little bit like, you know, what Russell Wilson has become. I'm not comparing the two, but I'm saying that was one of his strengths. Well, who doesn't want to do that? Defensive coaches. Just, you know, as he, you know, continues to struggle, if he does, just think about that in the back of your head. Maybe it's not all his fault. I usually do this on about Tuesday. I start looking at the schedule for the the upcoming week, you know, because I'm so basically the way my schedule works is watch all the games Sunday. Now doing this podcast exclusively on the three and out podcast uh, feed for Monday. And then I have to watch a lot of the games that I miss because you just can't watch 12 games at one time and actually know what you're talking about. So I go back and watch three or four of the main games on Monday. So then I can talk about it on Tuesday. I don't even really know what the schedule is beside the Thursday night game for the following Sunday, for the majority of teams, till like Wednesday or Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning. And then I start getting a feel for the games coming up. And, you know, doing a podcast, doing more, I'm a, I'm a pop, full-time podcaster, that's my life. You try to start thinking about different angles and topics and just things that stood out to you or that are going to stand out going into the week. And two teams, and I said, I, I, I tweeted this out on Monday Night Football. Whoever lost that game, once it kind of came down to the end, it got crazy. And once they went to overtime, it was clear. If the Raiders lose or the Ravens lose, they're staring down the gun barrel at 0-2. Short week, one plays the Steelers, the other plays the Chiefs. It's going to be really, really hard. Whoever loses, it's a devastating loss. So the Ravens and one other team, I look at the schedule, I go, they're already in somewhat of desperation mode. And the Ravens, who, you know, shh, we're in full control of that game until they weren't, and then they lose. Now have to go play the Chiefs, who have owned the Ravens. Owned them. Well, when's the last time the Ravens, like the Ravens has never beaten the Chiefs? Why? Because they're just not better than the Chiefs. Because ultimately it gets into a passing game, and the Chiefs have a far superior passer. And here's the other problem for the Ravens. They have a million injuries. So Ronnie Stanley, he's out now. Well, he had a devastating injury last year. And then I see he's back. I see the same thing with Taylor Luan. How do you have such a bad injury and then all of a sudden you're ready for week one? I watched, uh, I was laying in bed on Wednesday night and nothing really on TV and I had my iPad 
you know, I, I, I never had a TV in my room until 2020. I finally put one in and I still take my iPad. It's like, God, no wonder I struggle to fall asleep. I got so many lights. So I got TV on, just something stupid. And I'm watching the Giants uh, Bronco game from week one. And when I say watching, I just mean kind of peeking at it, not super locked in. Saquon Barkley looked like he was just kind of feeling his way out. Well, of course he is. He had a devastating knee injury last year. So we try to rush these guys back. But now the Ravens play the Chiefs. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, at Kansas City, let's just say they're 0-2. They do get a somewhat of a reprieve and an opportunity for some air. They get the Lions week three. So it's like, okay, they're 1-2. Then they go through this stretch at Denver. We know how hard it is to play in mile high. Denver's defense is fantastic. That game's going to be hard. Then you get Indy and the Chargers back-to-back. Like, it, it can just snowball on you fast. It did last year, and they were able to overcome it. Remember, they got off to the slow start. It, like, how are they going to make the playoffs? And then they just rattled off a bunch of wins. Their schedule is really easy. Here's the problem now. We know the AFC is really good. And with the extra game, you can go, Middlecoff, they got more margin for error with 17 games. I'd actually push back. Back in the day when just 9-7, and seven, like I think 9-7 and seven now for good teams is more likely to be 10-7. and seven. So, you know, we talk about inflation a lot with money in America. Same thing in, in football. Well, last year it took 11 wins to get into the playoffs. Who knows? This year it might be, might be 12. Like that extra game, if you're a good team and you get that extra game, especially if it's against an average opponent, you might end up, you know, if you need that team to lose, you might win. Or that, that team might win. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, we missed the playoffs by two games and we won 10. So I, I think the Ravens are already, it does have a feel of just like this snowball of injury hell, you know, and there's no stopping it. And sometimes it happens and it's like an avalanche. And I, as someone who used to ski growing up, uh, you know, one thing you learn, you know, right away when you take lessons is once you get a little bit better and you're going on fresh tracks, like you cut across, you can create your own avalanche. And then once it gets going, and once the snow starts falling, there is no stopping it. There is nothing on God's green earth that can slow that thing down. And I think sometimes with injuries, it's 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 harder to quantify, right? You're like, why is this happening? There's not a necessarily like one thing you can pinpoint. It just happens. And it does feel like the last two or three weeks is the season of hell for the Ravens. Now, their culture and their quarterback and their coach and their organization, their season from hell might end up looking like 8-9, but that's where it kind of feels. And especially if they get their ass kicked by Kansas City, it could be trouble. The other team would be the Colts. Uh, They won 11 games last year with an old Phillip Rivers. Carson looked okay, but part of getting Carson was like, Rivers was just okay. Actually, a little better than okay. I think he was 23 touchdowns and 10 picks. Like, is Carson going to be that this year? Because that's what they're going to need. Probably like 26, 27 touchdowns. Like, is he going to throw that many? Is he going to be an explosive player? Because I, you know, I'm starting to think, just watching him play last week, I thought at one point in time, like I'm sure many did, he could be a superstar in the NFL. Just an absolute powerhouse player. I don't think that anymore. Now, I don't think he's as bad as he was last year, but maybe he's just an average guy. Maybe he's like, meh. I kind of think that about Sam Darnold. Like, am I biased because I'm from the West Coast and I root for Pac-12 kids? Maybe. And I've been saying, like, I would take a chance on Sam Darnold. Instead of the Niners giving up three first-round picks, they should go get Sam Darnold. And maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe Sam Darnold's just kind of a guy. It's okay player, solid. But, like, you're not looking for solid at quarterback. Because if you got solid at quarterback, you're always looking to upgrade. You're looking for a top-10 star at quarterback. And so if Carson Wentz is not that, you know who they got? They got their ass kicked week one against Seattle. And then it's like, okay, you get the Rams. Here's the problem. Both those games are at home. 
So if you lose two games at home, now the AFC gets an extra game this year, so they get nine instead of eight, but you're 0-2 at home to start. Now these are two of the better teams, I'm sure, on the schedule, but still. Then all of a sudden you got the Titans, which if they lose to Seattle, that game's going to feel enormous for two 0-2 teams. And then you got at the Dolphins and at the Ravens who are going to be desperate. So that Ravens indie game in, a, in two or three weeks is pretty big. But both these two teams, you know, could find themselves heading into week three, like way behind the eight ball. Now, luckily for the Colts, unlike the Ravens, their division might be terrible. So maybe their division this year is eight and nine wins it. We know that's not the case in the AFC North. Zero chance. Like if the Ravens are going to win that division, probably going to take at minimum 12. You start 0-2, I don't care if it's 17 games, it's going to be pretty difficult to get 12 wins. Especially when you look around, you have star players that are off torn ACLs and broken ankles. So those are two teams that I would expect to see, and in a good way, desperate performances for this Sunday. Desperate performances. I mean, acting like, you know, when you're a really good team, team with, you know, like, I wouldn't say Super Bowl aspirations, maybe the Ravens a little bit, but like, AFC Championship game uh, aspirations, 0-2 might as well feel like 0-10. Like, I, both these two teams, I expect to lay it all on the line Sunday because you start, they lose, you know, their first two games, Woo-wee, it's going to be an uphill battle. Okay, th- there were, and I'm sure many of you can relate if you're in your 30s, there are probably several physical activities that you do, definitely when you're growing up, but once you stop playing sports that you continue to do in your 20s, And maybe even in your 30s, but eventually you draw the line. And for me, I used to play pickup basketball a lot in my 20s all the time. When I was a GA at Fresno State, I played at the rec three or four days a week. When I went to Philadelphia, I was in a league with a buddy who now works for the Chiefs. Uh, And when I moved to the Bay Area, I joined this gym, used to play pickup hoops. And it probably ended around 2016. Because I just saw more and more people in my life that would, in these activities, would tear an Achilles or tear an ACL. I know Gottlieb tore an ACL a couple weeks ago, I think, playing pickup hoops. I am not in the mood to consistently rehab and put on a bunch of weight that I'm eventually going to have to cut because I can't do anything because I pop an Achilles. I think a big reason for that, obviously, is older age, but because you start sitting at a desk. When you're 20 or, or in your early 20s or in your teens, you're moving around a lot. You're constantly doing things. So your body is just accustomed to the movements that come along with playing basketball, playing football, doing whatever you're doing, baseball. The older you get, you do less and less high-end activity. Like, I I jog on the treadmill, but it's very, you know, it's like 6'4". You know, I'm just cruising, right? Or I do the stair-stepper. It's just, it's it's at my pace where I can get a good sweat. But I'm not uh, Odell Beckham out there, right? And I think one thing you see is in the NFL – you used to work up to the season. You used to harden your your body, right? You'd have the off season, which would be relatively intense, but the OTAs. Then you would get 30 days off. And when training camp started, for the history of football, up until 2011 when the lockout happened, there were double days. There was intense training leading up to week one. Getting your body ready for the rigors of the season. Not a huge boxing guy, but follow the sport closely enough. There is a reason guys spar before they get in the ring. You have to prepare your body for the shots you're going to take. It is a violent sport, right? It takes getting used to getting hit. Football is no different. One reason I think like a guy like Kyler excels so much 
the first you know month of the season, how do you prepare for that speed? You don't do dick in training camp. You don't tackle anyone in practice. Most of your starters don't play in the preseason. And then all of a sudden you go out when you don't even have a great defense to begin with and get this fresh Kyler Murray who looks like a little video game player. You have no chance. And I swear I don't have the exact numbers, but just ballpark, watching football all Sunday, and then Monday night, I saw the cart come out in every single game. And in several games, I saw the cart come out multiple times. I'm not a doctor. I just went to actually a couple state schools in California. Good CSU system, but by no means know anything about medicine. If I have questions, I text a doctor. But you cannot convince me that there is not a correlation which the way these guys, there is a big difference training with, you know, your, your you know, whoever is your side trainer away from football in the gym, posting pics on Instagram. Look at my box jumps. Look at my squats. Look at me in the pool getting ready for the season. And then actually playing football. And I think there is a big separation. Like ultimately in basketball, you can say the fouls and the game's a lot different. One thing you do, even NBA players, you play hard pickup games year round. You play basketball. The only time these guys play football now is starting week one. Because I do not consider really the training camp for most teams. You know, Andy Reid is one of the old school guys that still runs a physical camp. Same with Belichick. And he still runs physical practices. That is not the case for the majority of coaches. And I understand with the amount of money you're paying these players. But I I swear to God, on Monday Night Football, we saw the cart come out like three or four times. Marcus Mariota didn't do anything all training camp. Now he was a little banged up. Boom, he's already hurt. All these other guys, boom, they're gone. And I I just think, is this going to be something that we have to prepare ourselves for moving forward? That guys are just going to get hurt at high rates every week? Because it kind of sucks. It's kind of sad. And I get why the players... No, actually, I don't. I get why the owner signed off on it. Be like, oh, you want to give us more money and just because you get more off days and no double days? Deal. It is the easiest financial deal the owners have ever signed. Just allowing no contact, allowing no double days, allowing these mandatory off days in training camp and in the regular season for more money for us. They laughed all the way to the bank. But do you know who ultimately got screwed? So it's, yeah, you get an extra day off here and there in training camp, the players. Because when you tear your ACL, when you pop an Achilles, when you have these devastating injuries, for most guys, their career is never the same. Now, you might get an extra chance or two if you were a top 20 pick. Most guys in the NFL are not 20 picks, top 20 picks, right? So if I'm a starting right guard for whatever team, and I'm a seventh round pick, and I'm in year two, and we haven't really done anything all camp long, and I blow out my knee week two. Now, you could argue, John, he was going to blow out his knee no matter what. What doesn't feel guys consistently blew out their knees as much in the 90s and the 2000s? Like just watching football. There are always going to be injuries. It's a violent sport. Collisions happen. Guys get rolled up on. There is part of uh, the nature of football. It's unavoidable. But I do think some of the stuff that we're witnessing now Players going down left and right. You cannot convince me that the lack of hitting and the lack of preparation leading into the season isn't avoidable. Now, I'm not asking for junction boys. And, and listen, we're never going back. So I'm not asking for anything because it's it's the deals have been signed. We're all in on no more double days, country club training camp, not doing dick during the season unless you're, you know, Belichick. That's just the way it is. But just get ready. Like these injuries, which suck, 
There is nothing worse, at, I'm sure as a player or a coach, and I've been on the team side, it is, it's miserable to lose a player. A starting player, let alone a star player, any player who's on your team. But for a fan, that feeling sitting there and watching a good player get carted off, it's it's the worst part of sports. And it's the worst part of this sport who now feels like it's only going to grow. It's only going to get worse. It's only, you know, the avalanche, the snowball is just going to grow and grow every year because we've said like the last couple of years, it feels like the guy who ever drives the cart at all these stadiums, you know, gets a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, he's like, might as well be playing nine holes. He's coming out to midfield like, you know, every five minutes. And it's just sad. Uh, but it's pretty clear the reason why now. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Firestone Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Firestone. Test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bowl flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor? Full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, 
I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, back again. Three for the money with my guy Stucky. As I got several DMs who alerted me, legend in the online gambling community. Uh, and he was nails week one. And really, we got screwed. Should have gone three for three for uh, three and oh. Uh, he hosts or is part of the Action Network uh, podcast out every Thursday. It's also out several other days throughout the week. Uh, welcome back, Stuggy. What's going on? Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was it was unfortunate. I had a couple games. I was happy with how I capped week one. I had a couple games that were just never in doubt. You know, the Saints, the Cardinals, the Patriots. I mean, outgained them, outplayed them. Two fumbles, one that wasn't a fumble. Would have went back. I would bet that game 100 out of 100 times. And then I had a, my week ended on a sour note because I had uh, Ravens under 51, which uh, was 17-10 with 10 to go and uh, didn't get there. But we're on to week two. Yeah, game got weird. So let's uh, let's fire right in. Uh, Panthers and the Saints. What do you think? Yeah, la- last week, I mean, look, week two to me, and, and part week three as well, is it's all about overreaction in the market to just one week of what happened. Um, you know, you look at last year, the Browns lost by 50 to the Ravens. They were fine. You know, the Colts lost to the Jags. The Jags still haven't won another game. So people, the market tends to over-adjust in certain circumstances, and I think they've done that here. I love the Saints last week. Everything just went their way. It was their day. It was not the Packers' day. Um, you know, they have some injuries on the defensive side of the ball, especially Mark, Marshawn Lattimore. They're going to miss him in the secondary. The Panthers, you know, this line, look ahead line was under a field goal, which is where I make it right around two. And what I said last week, Jameis Winston, you want to back him as a dog, as a high variance quarterback, and you want to fade him as a favorite. He's seven, 14 and one against the spread as a favorite. I see him making a couple key mistakes uh, against the Carolina zone looks. And this is just an overreaction to what we saw last week. The Saints look spectacular. And if you go back historically, teams that cover by four touchdowns uh, are, you know, right around 40% against the spread the next week, 2-12-1 in week two when that happens. So this is just a classic, you know, sell high on the Saints after they looked like, you know, the league's best team last week. I think it's fair to say if you cover by four touchdowns, you might be you might be decent. You might have yeah. some firepower. Uh the Jags, who I, I think it's fair to say biggest embarrassment week one. Denver, who, you know, I mean, they're not the sexiest team, but they have a lot of talent. I know Judy got hurt, but who do you like that game? 
Yeah, this is ugly. And a lot of times in week two, I end up with a, a bunch of home dogs on my card, so I'm not surprised. But I, I like the Jags here catching six. Look ahead line here, it's two and a half. Obviously, you had the Jags get embarrassed. You had, you know, the Broncos come out and, and look good. But I think that was more of an indictment on the Giants. Even the own, the own Giants offensive players were saying, look, we're going to start slow. We've had injuries. You heard that from Galladay. So, you know, I think that that said more about the Giants than where the Broncos are. And I like this Broncos defense. It was Trevor Lawrence did not look good by any metric, but it was his first first career start. You look back historically, number one draft picks who start week one are now one seven and one straight up. They excuse me, oh seven and one straight up, one and seven against the spread. That's They've a fantastic nugget. That's a good nugget. Uh, and now week two, they're six and one against the spread. So you know the market tends to say you know they're high on these number one draft picks. They struggle in their first game, understandably so. And then, you know, they tend to settle down a little bit in week two. The, the Jags have a lot of questions. You can question Urban Meyer. Their tackles are weak. The defense, especially on the back end, is iffy. But, you know, this is uh, just an overreaction to what we saw last week. Denver, you know, you are fading Teddy Bridgewater on the road, who's 22-3 and three against the spread on the road, which is just unfathomable. But he's never been more than a three-point favorite on the road. Something to keep in mind here, just to – it could work in the Jags' favor is the humidity. It's supposed to be nasty on Sunday, something Denver might not be used to. We saw that Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay didn't like it in Jacksonville last week. Humidity could provide almost like a, an altitude-esque advantage that Denver gets uh, in mile high. My only pushback there would be, what if the Jags are just like the Jets of this year? Obviously, they, it feels like you know Trevor Lawrence is going to be a better player than Sam Darnold, but they might just be atrociously terrible. Now, it's six fair. points, like you said, I mean, it just feels like what if they can't score against these guys? Because that defense of Denver, like you said, I know they're playing Daniel Jones, and he might just suck. That defense of Denver might, when the dust settles at the end of the year, might be one of the better ones in the league, especially with Fangio running it. Yeah, no, it's fair. And who, I mean, Irv, I didn't like the play calling, and no. who knows, Urban Meyer might not just be it, and he might be out the door by the season's end. And Trevor Lawrence, it might take him some time. Um, but so we might look back and say, yeah, this line should have been seven or eight. But just adjusting for one week, I think this is too high. So I'll take my chances. But yeah, it, it, I could end up looking foolish. I understand that. No, more, more than fair. Uh, the Colts who, you know, I you know, embarrassed would be strong. But for a team that, I you know, won 11 games last year, viewed as a playoff level team, got shoved around week one at home. You know, by Seattle, yeah. who I think has been pretty soft the last couple of years, and that defense kind of dominated them. Then they got the Rams coming in, who, you know, probably not as sexy of a start as some people were hoping for, but pretty damn good against probably a below average Bears team. So now the Colts and really the Titans, too, you know, have to play more NFC West teams right off the bat. But the Colts, unlike the Titans, they get to stay at home. Who, who do you like, Colts, Rams? Yeah, another ugly home dog here. Two more that I, I do like. I like Philly and, and Minnesota. I'll throw them out there. But uh, for the sake of this segment, I'll go with the Colts at catching four at home. Look, the Colts, for whatever reason, part probably part fluke, but they've lost eight straight season openers, which is the third longest streak in NFL history. Three, this is their, they're now their fourth straight loss under Frank Reich. They've lost the teams that finished one and 15, six and 10, and five and 11. So they've lost to horrible teams off the back. 
guess what they've done week two each year? They've won and then they've gone on to make the playoffs. So I don't think it's necessarily time to panic. I also think last week it was a lot more about, you know, the Colts during camp, they dealt with COVID, offensive line injuries, Wentz was injured, you know, so there was just not a lot of continuity. So I think getting that game under their belt, getting a week of practice, they'll bounce back here. I trust that staff. It's a really good staff, Iberflus and Reich. Uh, and, you know, the Rams looked good and Stafford looked great the first uh, his first start in that offense. But I'm not, you know, crowning them Super Bowl champion yet for beating Andy Dalton, that atrocious offensive line. The defense that I actually think is a tad overrated. So I you know, the preseason look ahead line, this is before all the Colts injuries, was Colts minus one and a half. You know, last week it was, you know, Rams minus two. So you've since crossed the key number and you're catching four at home. You know, the Rams going out of conference after a big primetime win with, uh, you know, Tampa on deck, Super Bowl champ. So maybe they get caught a little flat here. I still have some questions about that defense. You know, obviously you have two stars, uh, but, you know, they've lost some other talent elsewhere. I think Indy might be able to run the ball. They could get Fisher back at left tackle, but I think the offensive line will look better. And I mean, Wentz looked pretty good last week, considering what he looked like last year, considering how much pressure he was under. Um, but they did go 0 for 3 on fourth down. It could have been a little closer. The defense really settled down in the second half. Um, so I think they can carry some of that momentum over. I think for the fourth straight year, the Colts lose to a, you know, losing the first week, bounce back. And I think they actually pull off this upset at home. Can, can I hit you with a bonus bet? And it comes on, it comes on Saturday. And this is a college team who beat the crap out of UCLA two weeks ago in Chip Kelly. And, you know, he's just a favorite guy. People, you know, back in the day, he was covering spreads with his eyes closed. They're playing Fresno State in the line somewhere between 11 and 11 and a half. The dogs who played Oregon really well two weeks ago, they have beat this UCLA team historically several times just because it's easy to travel. That line to me, if it was, you know, single digits, I'd be like, you know, UCLA might just be really good, but they're a run oriented team. They don't have an NFL quarterback. Fresno State actually has a quarterback, a Washington transfer who's pretty good. That 11 and a half, you know, 11, 12 number to me is pretty high. I, I know that Fresno's not a power five program, but they easily probably this year, are probably a top five non-power five program. And I think UCLA, tad bit overrated. Yeah, I mean, all the love for UCLA now is just pouring in, um, you know, Chip Kelly's fourth year. And you're right, Hayner. And I, I like what DeBoer is doing with that Fresno program. And if you look back, you, you know, the first week you say, Wow, Fred, Oregon needs a 30-yard touchdown run late to win that game by seven, you know, trailing in the second half. You say, okay, maybe Oregon isn't as good as some thought. And then Oregon goes to the shoe and beats Ohio State pretty convincingly. So now you look back and you say, okay, that Fresno team must be pretty damn good. So, yeah, and you're right. That's, you know, DTR is still not a consistent passer. Um, you know, they have – their conference schedule coming up, maybe they're, you know, even if they get a lead, maybe they, they sit on it a little more conservative. So even if Fresno doesn't compete early, you still have a chance to cover here. Um, so I think, yeah, that's, it's either Fresno state or nothing when it comes to that. How do you pull the trigger? Last thing before I get you out of here on in the NFL, the numbers, you know, unless it's an awful team as the season goes on that money line number, but in college, how do you balance seeing like pretty good value and like I'm going to pull the trigger money line on just games like this that just play out as the weeks go on in college because you get some pretty big, you know, you just get bigger upsets on Saturday when you factor in just, you know, the level of competition, the point spread, you know, you can get some money lines, right, with teams that you think might have a chance four or five to one. That just doesn't really happen in the NFL. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to a couple factors. One being how much of an edge I think I have, and then hey, I might sprinkle on the money line. I always throw a round robin money line parlay in for the day, risk a little, and you know, if you're if you're right, you get a lot of exposure, and you're not. It's not a parlay of ten teams where if one loses, you're not getting anything back. But I also look at you know the high variance nature of a game. Um, if it's a you know a lower total with fewer possessions, there you know so there's a, a number of factors that I'll look at um, to determine okay do I want to take a shot here or do I feel safe with the spread? Any upsets you like brewing this weekend? Saturday? Yeah, uh, you know it's not it's not a great. I look for my round robin. It's not a great weekend for upsets. I'm curious to see what Florida does with this Richardson kid and how often they plan. I mean, this offense might end up looking like Dan Mullen's offenses when Mississippi State was ranked number one with Dak Prescott, and he was running the ball 30 times a game from the quarterback position. This Richardson kid is elite. They haven't been able to throw the ball. They've had three completions for like 200 yeah. yards, and the, and the rest of their completions against you know two bad directional Florida schools have been eh. So I'm curious to see what this rushing attack and how often they use Richardson because Emory Jones hasn't been great. Um, so Florida might be able to make it interesting. Bryce Young's first road game in the swamp. I ultimately see Bama pulling that out. An interesting one for Moneyline – Late night, uh, Hawaii, you know, they're always just so such a different animal at home against San Jose State. They're catching about seven. These two teams played last year in Honolulu in late December and uh, mid-December. San Jose State was like a two-point favorite. Teams haven't changed that much. And now, you know, they're a seven-point favorite. And I, I really think San Jose State's going to miss their two receivers. Right? Lost their, they brought pretty much their whole team back, but they lost Bailey Gaither, Trey Walker, both declared for the NFL. And you look back, they had some yards. They only scored seven points against USC, which looks a lot worse after Tanner McKee for Stanford just shredded them in his first career start. So, you know, Hawaii, new offensive coordinator, and you started to see that offense work in the second half against Oregon State last week. And it, it's on the island. Weird things happen, catching six and a half, seven. I think there's a little bit of value on the line. So uh, I would, I'd, I'd throw a little taste on uh, the Bose money line. That's why we bring you in, Stucky, to break down San Jose State, Hawaii. I love it. Have a great weekend. Uh, and keep making money, baby. Absolutely. Good luck. Okay. Middlecoff mailbag time. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. You guys know the drill. Slide up into the DMs and get your question answered up here on the pod. Okay. From Connor. Question for the pod. Am I crazy for thinking that people saying Trevor Lawrence's floor is Andrew Luck? I know his... His early retirement left a bad taste in fans' mouth, but he won 11 games as a rookie and took a previously 2-14 mess to the playoffs. How can these pundits simultaneously say the Jags are going to win hardly any games and not realize Lawrence is going to be losing as well? Good point. Because you'd be like, well, he doesn't have any talent. He doesn't have a good team. Remember Andrew Luck's GM was Ryan Grigson and his head coach was Chuck Pagano, right? And... Bottom line is Andrew Luck is a much better player than Trevor Lawrence. Also, the bottom line, Andrew Luck's one of the greatest prospects in the history of sports. He's up there with, you know, it took LeBron James a long time to win. Andrew Luck, if he could have stayed healthy, he would have won 100%. If he was on the Colts right now, they would be elite. That's not even arguable. Do you have some flaws he had to work out? Yeah, but he could never figure them out because he always started getting hurt after he started winning big. But relative to Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence is an awesome prospect, Andrew Luck's better. It's a better player, more physical. He's thicker. Uh, so I'm with you. Now, I'm not trying to... Dem- I, I like Trevor Lawrence a lot, and I think every team in the league would have happily taken him. He's playing for the Jags. 
One thing, Luck went to the Colts, who while they just got rid of you know, Peyton Manning, they'd been winning for a while. They had a winning culture, Robert Mathis, Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney. You know, they had winning players on in the franchise. The Jags, Jags are a joke. I mean, the Jags are a complete clown show. Like I said earlier today, I think we got to hope Urban quits. Urban is wasting away for Jack in Jacksonville. He's not an NFL coach. He's an elite college coach. It's where he belongs. Sometimes in life, you're just over your head, right? Sometimes, have you ever been snow skiing? There's double black diamonds. That's where like Olympians should go. If you're if you're not a great skier, like stay on just the blue squares, right? Avoid the black diamonds and the double black diamonds. Not everyone should be on the black diamonds. Like Urban Meyer, you shouldn't be in the NFL. You don't belong here. You're, you're not a tactician. The NFL is a schematical league. College football is a recruiting and motivational league. And, you know, Saban's a great schematic guy. So is Lincoln Wright. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't great schematic coaches in college. But when you're at one of the elite institutions, you can overcome it with recruiting. And ultimately, he can't do that in college. Or, I mean, in the pros. Tyler Miller. I had a question for the pot. I believe Matt Corral of Ole Miss is the best quarterback that will come out of next year's draft. I want to know your thoughts. Well, I watched him on the Monday night, the game that Lane was uh, at home because of the, he tested positive, and he is very, very physically gifted. He's got, I, I don't know exact his measurements, but he's got a little Baker Mayfield vibe to, to me. Uh, maybe a little more athletic, but he's talented for sure. To me, by far, of all the quarterbacks that I've heard, like, keep an eye on the UNC kid. Keep an eye on this kid. I haven't seen the Liberty guy, the Hugh Freeze that I've heard is pretty talented. Keep an eye on Keaton Slovis. He could be a top 10 pick. No, he can't. <laughs> no world would I take that guy in the top 10. In no world would I take the UNC guy in the top 10. Corral, he's he's intriguing, for sure. I want to see more of him. I want to watch more of Ole Miss. I want to watch Ole Miss against AM, against LSU, against Auburn, against Bama. That kid's got a chance, because he's the only one, to me, that pops of like, this guy might be an NFL player. I think it's a very, very poor draft for uh, NFL prospects at quarterback. Hey, your page isn't available on Spotify. Neither is Collins. Think it might be on their end. I got to get on them. Freaking Spotify. You know, I told a buddy who came out here, my buddy Steve Mayich, who lives in D.C. We uh, went to college together at Cal Poly. He came out and we had dinner at another one of our buddy's house probably a couple years ago. We ended up going out. This is pre-COVID and where you could just go out and do whatever you wanted. So we had some drinks and stuff. And then we went out on the town, had a couple more cocktails. And I remember telling him, I'm like, this this company Spotify, trust me, I'm in the podcast game. I can't remember what the stock was at the time. Might've been like a hundred bucks. It might've even been less. I own probably like 15 grand of it. And I'm like, this thing is going to be big, bro. Get in on it. And he did. For whatever reason, I might have needed the money or I, I don't know what happened. I, maybe Corona hit. I sold it. I swore to God. It, it might have been before because they signed Rogan, they signed Simmons, and they signed Michelle Obama. The stock tripled. And I remember Steve texting me like, bro, thanks for the tip. That This thing is booming. I just made a ton of money. And I just remember if I would have had hair, I would have pulled out every follicle that I had. I'm like, I was on this stock. I knew it. I'm in the space. I believe in it. I knew it would work. And I'm not even I'm not even subscribed to Spotify. I just knew that what they had was pretty powerful. And I left. It's a good life lesson. When you're in a stock you believe in, ride that shit out.
Do not, do not. If you do not need the money, I don't think I did need the money. I think I sold because I freaked or I don't even know. Stupid, stupid. You always make bad mistakes when you make emotional decisions with money you don't need. I'm an Eagles fan from Australia. What is your take on Jordan Mayola? I think it's phenomenal go from never wearing pads to three years later, beating out a first round pick to secure the left tackle spot. Uh, pretty incredible. Also, does that mean Dillard is a bust? Or the Eagles pages, I heard he wasn't competitive. Incredible story. I actually think it's one of the most incredible stories in the history of the NFL. This guy went from not playing in, in football at all, playing Australian rugby, to, I'm, I don't know the exact story, did he come over here to like a general workout? The Eagles draft him in the seventh round. Three years later, they give him $65 million. You watch him against Atlanta, he was mauling people. He is legit. Like, this is not, like, he's just kind of decent. They're kind of desperate. No, this guy can play. There's a reason I think the Eagles might have one of the best offensive lines in the league. He's a big part of that. Like, everyone's shitting on Howie Roseman. Like, that's an elite pick. Get your left tackle from Australia. So, yeah, you missed on your first rounder, but you found the guy in the seventh round. And he's good. If Andre Dillard was that good in the first round, you would be doing cartwheels. It's an incredible find. Big fan of the player. It's just an incredible story. Because a couple things translate in football and the offensive line, even if you've never played. If you are these two things, obviously you have to have the size. Like you can have these other two things and not have the size. You have to to play tackle. You know, I would say minimum, you got to be like 6'4". You got to have minimum 33-inch arms. And you got to weigh 310 plus. So, I mean, that's going to... take away the majority of human beings on this planet. But if you have that, and you have these two things, you would have a chance to be good at football. Are you athletic? He clearly is. We all watched him play rugby. And are you tough? Because if you're tough, I'll never forget Howard Mudd, the late great uh, offensive line coach, one of the greatest offensive line coaches ever, was so big on that. Innate toughness. It's not about like, he's his point was, people get so wrapped up on bench presses, He's like, this guy can rep 225 30 times. And then he's like, I'd see him on tape and he'd get his ass run over. So it's like, yeah, he's strong in the weight room, but he's not strong on the field. And he's like, vice versa. Some guys couldn't lift as much and they're really strong on the field. And he's like, the biggest misconception is that you get stronger once you get in the NFL. So you're not that strong in college. We're like, we'll put, we'll get him in the weight room and get him tough. I think it works at certain positions. At tackle, you either have the power or you don't once you're like 22 or 23. And this guy is a powerful mofo. And they've done an incredible job. Jeff Stoutland, their offensive line coach, is elite. Just an unreal story. I mean, it, it, it really is. Longtime fan, I know you have unique insight into this coach. Just wondering, why not Pat Hill for the Trojans? Proven winner, even without access to blue chip talent, badass motivator with the will play anyone, anywhere, anytime mentality. I just think his age. He hasn't coached now in college football, you know, probably seven, eight years. Uh, a huge part of getting hired at a big program is how hot you are as a name. And this program is just so desperate. Honestly, Pat Hill, if you would have hired him when Pete Carroll left instead of, uh, I guess, who'd they hire right away? Lane? I think Pat would have won. Now, one as big as Pete, maybe not, but he, no chance he fails. Because I watched the type of players that he could recruit at Fresno State. You put give him a USC polo and his mentality, they, w- they would have won. They would have competed to win the division or the conference every year for sure. It's just probably too late. And I think he's retired. He's with his families in Fresno. I'll say this. 
I've watched a million coaches give speeches online. I've been around coaches in the pros, coaches obviously in college. Pat Hill, when he walked into a room and addressed the team, you know, if Nick Saban's number one, Pat Hill is as good as any. (laughs) Pat Hill could just keep everyone on their toes. Dude had a presence. Dude was crazy. I remember Andy Reid telling me. I think I've told this story. He tried to recruit him when Andy was in the hospital bed after he, I think, had a bad injury in junior college. He, Pat was coaching at Utah. Andy ended up going to BYU, but Andy wakes up from surgery. Pat Hill in a Utah polo standing over Andy Reid, trying to sign him as an offensive lineman. This is like 1982. Pat's a crazy mf man. Pat's a crazy dude, but in a good way. I mean, in a football way. Pat's a badass. Pat Hill was a certified badass. Who would you start between Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert? Uh, Rodgers plays the Lions. Herbert plays the Cowboys. I don't think you'd go wrong. I guess I'd probably go Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they just had a terrible game, but I think Herbert could throw four touchdowns. I think it wouldn't shock me if either one of the guys threw four touchdowns. Okay, last question. I know you're seeing a bunch of dudes in your DMs. Don't be fooled. This is her husband. Oh, he's he's DMing me from Amber, her uh, Instagram account. I was wondering if you'd be interested in a weekly, monthly injury analysis from a medical professional. I do it for free, and however you feel would be beneficial for your pot. For instance, wouldn't it be nice to know how Carson Wentz came back so quickly after his foot surgery? I do. If you feel this type of info could be valuable to your show, it would help me a lot with my future endeavors. Resume Builder. You always say to shoot your shot and chase after the things you want. This is me doing it. Sue's a doctor in Colorado. I really appreciate the direct message. And I don't think you're you're totally off base. I would say if we had a major injury with like Tom Brady or something, I'll bring you on. But, you know, we don't really spend that much time on injuries beside just the information they give us and we just move on. When a guy plays, he plays. And when he's out, he's out. Uh, but I appreciate you reaching out. I appreciate the hustle on your wife's account. Uh, big, I, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of hustlers and hustling. So, I mean, this is everything that I admire. And you attempted you, I mean, you didn't attempt. You did it. My thing is, I just... I'm not big. One philosophy I have, a little inside the podcast. We have Stucky now coming on. He brings something valuable. He's been gambling for 20 plus years. Uh, I've had several people DM me in the gambling community online. Stucky's a legend. And obviously the volume and action network are involved together. Uh, and I didn't know Stucky was quite the gambling legend, but I was talking to him a bunch today. I was, I mean, the guy knows his shit. I, I think so many podcasts, they all do this. A lot of podcasts. And I listen, I like this. I listen to a lot of them for guests. Part of this show, I think what makes it a little unique, like you're just coming for me. I'm just giving my opinions and takes. If you want to hear a guest, like I can have a guest on. I could hit up someone and have, and I'm not opposed to it, but I do think we could hear those guys talk other places. And I, I think what what I try to hang my hat on is just me. Like you're coming for my takes. It's not going to be three hours long. It'll be 45 to an hour. And it's just going to be me. And that's what people come for. And it's not against like your opinions on health or whatever I know you bring to the table. But I, I think that's one thing, you know, why you don't hear that many guests, even as football season goes. And you see all these other shows having a ton of guests. And I'm not saying this right. Maybe I'm wrong for this. Now, don't get me wrong. Nick Saban, Belichick, 
I've had Andy before. I mean, I'd have him again. Maybe I will have him this season. Lincoln Riley, like the big guys, I will have them on if they want to come on. But I'm just not here to have a guest to have a guest to fill time. You know, this is a podcast space. I enjoy just kind of ranting and raving. Uh, so that's kind of my philosophy on the show is just my voice. Now, if that's not working and I need to pivot and need to change, not opposed to it. I appreciate you shooting your shot, uh, but just wanted to, I'm transparent here. I'm an open book. I got, fuck, I got nothing to hide um, except my gut. You know, I'm trying to lose that bad boy. That's why I need to hit the gym a little harder. I really, it's my diet. You know, I, I could eat better. I, working out's not my problem. I got, I got a diet. Not even diet. Just stay away from the sugars. Those sugars, man. Sugars will get you if you got a little sweet tooth. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. I want you to have a great weekend. Enjoy football all weekend long. Watch Fresno State beat UCLA Saturday night. And then just enjoy Sunday. And uh, I'll talk to you guys Monday morning. Exclusively on the 3 and Out Podcast. Peace! Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride The first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Fire the grill and fire up the party. Get the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. Go from low and slow on smoke boost mode at 180 degrees all the way to high heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full grate sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Food will look as good as it tastes. This grill is hot in 15 minutes and cleanup is easy. You can also add a heavy duty rotisserie or rust resistant griddle insert to up your game. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill.